0: How are you feeling today, United Church? Are we feeling good? Are we feeling good? Come on, I feel like on the first Sunday of 2023, we can do better. How are we feeling today, United Church? Come on. Come on. I'm a little bit fired up today, so no apologies for that, but I've got a lot to tell you in a short amount of time. We're going to celebrate a little bit on the front end, and then we're going to get into the meat of the message, but I'm going to celebrate very first off, I want to celebrate our legacy offering, and if you were a part of the legacy offering, I want to say thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, because I I know this, that some of you gave $1, some of you gave $10, some of you gave $10,000, some of you gave $50,000, but I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for whatever part you played in the legacy offering because I'm here today to report to you that it'll be right at $400,000 given for our legacy offering. Yes. So maybe you're new here to United Church and you've never heard me talk or never heard anybody say anything about legacy. Legacy is three things. It's missions, it's expansion, and it's United University. And so the opportunity we have one time a year is to throw some fuel on the fire of everything that God is already doing. And $400,000, y'all, like that literally blows my mind. You guys are the most generous church that I've ever ever heard of, that I've ever been a part of. So thank you for that, over $400,000 of, man, just God doing some crazy things in this next year. The couple other things I want to tell you about is starting tomorrow at our Milford campus is we are uh, beginning our 21 days of prayer and for some people let me just say this it's 21 days of prayer and fasting and so maybe you're you're new to this idea of fasting um Pastor Mark Tennefalls wrote an incredible article if you haven't read, read if you haven't read that if you ever read read that come on I haven't read anything apparently if you haven't read that yet on our social media you can go over to to read about the joy of of fasting but 21 days of prayer it starts tomorrow, and if you want to get the prayer prompting sent directly to you, you can um, text United21days to 94000, and that way you'll be able to get, because every day we gather from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m., we have a little bit of worship, acoustic worship, which is just so special. It's some incredible moments. And then one of um, our pastors or somebody on our team shares a little bit of devotional and then we break into some time of of un uh undist, like distraction-free prayer, and it is absolutely amazing. So if you have any time, seven to eight, any time during the next 21 days, meet me at the Milford Campus. It's going to be absolutely amazing. You don't want to miss that. It's actually going to be broadcast as well. I didn't really want to tell you that because I want you to show up. Come on, somebody, in Jesus' name. Okay, cool. 21 Days of Prayer. Second thing is this, is Revival Nights is coming up at the end of 21 Days of Prayer. Yeah. Yeah, we should be excited about that. We're going to cap off this year our 21 Days of Prayer, the Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at the very end of our 21 Days of Prayer with some celebration at our Milford campus. It's going to be crazy. Friday night, we have Pastor Chad Veach from Zoe Church in Los Angeles. He's going to be with us. And if you've never um, heard Pastor Chad preach, come on, he's, he's one of the, a world-class communicator. He's one of the greatest communicators of our, our lifetime, for real, for real. And then on that Saturday, we're going to have Pastor Wayne Francis. Come on, anybody excited about Pastor Wayne? I love Pastor Wayne Francis is going to be with us on that Saturday evening, and uh, this guy named Kenneth Wagner is going to be with you on Sunday evening. It's going to be great too, but man, I'm pumped about Revival Nights, and uh, let, let me just encourage you, go ahead and get those tickets because they are selling. Why would you sell tickets? Because we don't want 1,000 people to show up in a 600-seat auditorium in Jesus' name because I know you're going to be salty when you show up and don't have a ticket. All the proceeds are going to go to Teen Challenge, helping people fight addiction in Jesus' name, and so we're excited about that. Awesome. But today we start this brand new teaching series called Pray First. Why would you launch a year with a series called Pray First? I want to start with a little bit of a confession um, because there's, there's something about me that you, you need to know as your pastor, but I, I truly believe this is that this is not just something that is true about me. My guess is that whether you're Milford Dover, wherever you are today, that you can relate to what I'm about to say. Because how many of you would be honest enough to say, let me actually, let me not even ask the question, raise hands first. Let me tell you my confession that praying first is not always my natural response. How many of you would be honest to say, Pastor Kenneth, that praying first, I didn't even have to finish the sentence. People like just throw your hands up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because my natural response, here's my natural response. I was thinking about this because my, my first response is typically fix it. Anybody with me? Like, like pray first, like, like pray first. Like that's not really like my first response. My first response is to fix it. L- let me tell you about some other situations where it wasn't necessarily pray first. It wasn't even fix it. This is a true story. When my accountant told me that, that, that Jace, my son, had been claimed under someone else's taxes. Okay, yeah, you, you probably felt like pray first <laughs> was not my natural response. I'm like, pray first. And so I fill out a little grievance with the IRS. They're like, hey, between, between 200 and 350 days, this will be resolved. Where else can you go when they tell you 200 to 350 days? Can you imagine going to Target with a return? they say, somewhere between 200 and 350 days. Come on, how many of you know your boy didn't pray first? A little frustrated with the situation. Hey, when I'm running late and somebody is parked in the fast lane on route one, first response is not pray first. Like, I was thinking through some of these other situations when, when somebody they hit you with that text, right? They, they just kind of interrupt your day with that text message that should have been a meeting. <laughs> my first response ain't always pray first. When you drop the phone, I remember a couple of summers ago, I my, my my I was I headed out to the pool and I was gonna I was gonna get my tan on, you know what I'm saying? And I was I was heading out to the pool at the, the beach and took my phone out of my pocket and I just kind of tossed it onto the beach chair, you know, the ones that have the little bands that run across. And my thing trampolined right off of the chair and landed on its face. And you you ever pray that quick prayer? Jesus, Jesus, you rolled the stone away. I'm pretty sure I heard that screen crack. But God, I know Even the impossible (laughs) is possible for you. You pick it up, turn it over, pray first. (laughs) ain't the first response. So I started thinking about this. Why is it? Why is it that that my first response isn't pray? Because I'm the pastor, y'all. It should be pray first. Always, because how do you know, like pastors, like professional Christians, right? Like we pretty much should have it all together. Angels, Michael, Pastor Kenneth, they should have been like on the same page. That's what some people think anyways. And I started to really examine my heart. Listen to me, listen to me. I started to examine my heart. Like why is it that pray first is not my most natural response? Why is it that fix it is my most natural response? response. And I would have never said this out loud, but I was actually verbalizing this with somebody working through why this isn't the case for me. And this is the phrase, the question that that I came up with of why I don't pray first is, I often think to myself, and this is confession, why pray when I could do? Now, I'm not proud to tell you that, Nor do I think that's even theologically correct. We're going to talk about that. But as I was thinking about this series, Pray First, I was jumping to some conclusions that maybe, just maybe, that that some of us, that that is our thought. Why pray when we could do? Because, listen, let me just be honest. Praying, it it sometimes just feels so feely. It feels just like frolicky. It's portrayed, prayer is often portrayed as as this soft characteristic, right? But but doing, right, when we think about this idea of doing, it seems so beneficial, doesn't it? Doing just feels so immediate. You know what doing feels? It feels like we're in control. It feels like I've, I've got this. And don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, doing is great because... So many people, they sit around and they ask God to move and they're just waiting on God to move, forgetting that he also wants to partner with us. But at some point, check this out, at some point we will come face to face with the reality that we can't change. That at some point in our life, we will be introduced to a situation where it doesn't matter how much doing we do. It doesn't matter how much my six-year-old would have laughed because I said doo-doo right there. How much doing we do. It wouldn't matter how much we try to take into our own hands and kind of do it on our own. It wouldn't matter this, I got this, this immediate, there's going to come a situation. And So what do we do when we're introduced to a reality that we can't Change. You see, what I found is that when there's a reality that you can't change, there's often a burden that is birthed in your heart. There's often a burden that is birthed in your spirit. What what do we do when our kid is off the deep end and we can't change it? What do we do when our financial situation doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good and we can't change it? What do we do when our, our husband or wife won't change, and we can't fix it. What what do we do when it feels like all we see is injustice around us, and we can't change it? We we see this guy in the Bible. He's named Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is introduced face-to-face with a burden. Nehemiah is introduced into a situation, and God births in him a burden for something. And I believe that his response that we see in Nehemiah chapter one, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me there. Nehemiah chapter one. It's on page like 381 in my Bible. I don't know where it is in yours. But Nehemiah is introduced to a burden that, that without God, literally, it's impossible. What do we do when we're faced with a burden that we can't change? Nehemiah chapter one, starting in Verse number one, there's a lot of details here that I don't want, that are important, but I don't want you to get lost in them. So I will point out what I feel like is the meat of where we're going today. Verse one, it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped. Let me, let me talk, take a time out right here because I want to give you some context for what's happening. Is that there was this, this captivity. The Babylonians took all of the Jewish people into captivity and they had taken them out of the city of Jerusalem. They said, listen, we're abandoning the city of Jerusalem. No one who is a Jew can live in the city of Jerusalem in their city. No one can live there. We're taking you into Babylonian captivity. So all of the people that have naturally from this place were removed from this place. And so this is kind of what's happening in this month. So the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, this is the exile I was talking about and concerning Jerusalem. It says, and they said to me, he was asking about the condition. He said, the remnant there." in the province, the province, excuse me, who had survived the exile is in great trouble. So the ones who are still in Jerusalem, the ones who have made their way back, the very few people, over a million people had been displaced, very few had made their way back. He says, and shame, he says, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Back in those times, if you didn't have gates and you didn't have walls, you were a city. You were a city that was just prime, prime taking for anybody who was going to come in and just take, plunder you, take your women and children away, do all kinds of crap. I mean, this is back in some crazy times. So the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. Nehemiah said the moment that he heard these words, the moment that he heard that the walls were torn down and the gates were displaced, it says he wept. And he mourned for days. Nehemiah, in one moment, he recognized his burden. It hit his heart and he did. It was inescapable for him to get away from this. And my guess is, is that you've had a moment like this in your life. Like maybe this isn't, this isn't clear for you in your life, but maybe you've been operating with a sense of heaviness. Have you ever gone through a season or situation in your life where you just feel heavy and you're not sure why? Like, you, you're, like, looking at, like, around, and like, you like, feel, you feel a burden, but you're not really sure, like, how to articulate what that burden is. And maybe today, maybe today you, you would say this. Maybe we could say this together, and if you feel led to say it out loud, you can do that, but I feel like this would be a good exercise and, and here it is i'm going to tell you what you're going to say so that you don't like blindly walk into this is god help me recognize my burden and i'm going to break it down because i believe it's important for us to say this out loud if that's it's it's up to you but the, but the first part is this is god help me so if you feel led to that i'm going to say god help me you repeat me ready god help me recognize my burden god help me recognize Oh, you're doing it again. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Oh, you're out. You know what I'm saying? It's like Simon says, you know, God help me recognize my burden. God help me recognize my burden. God help me recognize my burden. And sometimes you don't even have to ask because it's intersected your heart and you can't get away from it. Let me tell you about one of mine. It's for middle school and high school students. you know, I'm fired up for middle school and high school students. I love middle school and high, every time we have a student's night, every time we had a house party, I would be showing up, they're like, why are you here? You don't have to be here. I was like, it's not about me having to be here, it's because I love middle school and high school students with every ounce of who I am. Like, I'm, lit, I'm fired up, it's a burden for me. It's a burden for me. I was in my kitchen several weeks ago, and the burden hits me so hard, I started weeping for my middle school and high school students. God, it's so hard for them. God, as they walk through the halls of their school, God, all of the things that they're learning at church and they're learning about the Bible and they're learning about Jesus, I know they believe it's true, but then they're walking through the halls of their school and it's all being ripped down from them. I'm burdened. My heart breaks. We talk about purity and saving yourself for marriage and you walk into school and all kinds of sexual things are just flaunted. God, I'm burdened. We started praying about this. What does it mean to have a burden? What are you going to do about this, Pastor Kenneth? I started sitting down with Pastor Lucas, who's our student's pastor. Come on, how many of y'all love Pastor Lucas? I love Pastor Lucas. I sat down with him and, was like, hey, we need to reimagine this. We need to redream this. And so, what are we going to do about this burden? There's a burden that was birthed on March 8th. Can I tell you that we're going to start meeting weekly with our students and not monthly with our students? <laughs> weekly, they're getting the word of God. Weekly, they're worshiping. Weekly, they're gathering together on a Wednesday night. Why on a Wednesday night, Pastor Kenneth? Because I think they just need like a midweek little, whew, little boost. Like, I came on Sunday. I'm starting to feel a little weary. Wednesday night, little boost. It's a little pick-me-up. Make it around to Thursday, Friday, Saturday. A little boom, little pick-me-up. It's called midweek. I can't wait. March 8th, what do you do? I'm burdened. I'm burdened with the landscape of the church. Not United Church, Big C church. Less people are coming to church now than ever before because of COVID. Still. I'm burdened. Like in other parts of the country, other parts, excuse me, other parts of the world, the church is growing. Salvation is happening. Revival is taking place. And I'm burdened because I watch across the landscape of the United States and I'm just burdened by this because I'm like, God, would you do something fresh in the U.S.? Did you know this? That there are other countries who were sending missionaries to the United States of America. That should shake us. God has given us a platform. I don't believe that United States of America is God's favorite, but I believe that God wants to use the United States of America to bring revival to the entire world. I'm burdened, I'm burdened, I'm burdened, I'm burdened, I'm burdened that United Church would become a house of prayer. that United Church would that we would become individually people of prayer. That when they talk about United Church, they would go, you know what? There is power in that house. Why? Because they pray. It's not because their worship is good and dang, our worship is good. It's not because the preaching is good and it's all right. But it's because we are a house of prayer. That we are people that respond in prayer. That we don't always get it right. I told you from the beginning, the pastor doesn't always get it right, but we're a person that's doing everything we can to keep God number one. So how do you and I, how do you not become a people of prayer? How does this become a house of prayer? What I want to give you over the next several minutes, what I want to give you is this, is I know you have your own burden and the church has a burden. So there's a corporate burden and there's a personal burden. Does that make sense? So there's things that burden me personally. There's things that burden us as a, as a church. There's things that burden you individually. And what I want to do is I want to show you Nehemiah's response. Because this is wild. This is absolutely amazing. And I believe that if you implement this, regardless of what your burden is, I believe that you will take ground in your life. So back to Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, the whole thing. He says this. He says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. I love this. He says, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven you will never guess what nehemiah's first response was to pray first we should do a series called pray first that would be amazing Nehemiah it says he continued it, it didn't say he started it says he continued praying and fasting and if you follow the narrative of scripture you will see that it was always god's desire that pray be your first resort and not your your first response and not your last resort if you're taking notes i want you to write this down is that god's desire is for prayer to be your first response and not your last resort i've, I've literally heard people say this listen listen i've literally heard people say this all we have left to do is pray And I'm like, what what do you mean all we have left to do is pray? Like all we have left to do is to go to the creator of the universe who loves answering the requests of his children. I know this sentiment. I know what we're saying, like when when medical and thing has has failed us, I understand all of that, but you have to understand what you're saying. You're saying it as if you don't have a father in heaven who loves to hear your request. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, Jesus said this, if you then, he's speaking to the people around him who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who pray first, to those who ask him? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first, pray first, that when you feel the burden, when life comes at you in every moment of every day, you fight to keep their mindset to pray first. Listen, church, we are so passionate at United Church about becoming a house of prayer. Um, I- I'm actually wearing one right now, and I'm gonna take it off to, just to show you, is that we got wristbands for every single person that call United Church home that literally say, pray first. Mind-blowing, I understand. We-, we wanted this to be a reminder. It doesn't mean you have to wear it every single day, but we wanted you to wear it during the 21 days, because how many of you know that it takes 21 days to make or break a habit? It takes 21 days to make or break a habit. And so what if we worked for the next 21 days Trying to to, to build into us, to build the muscle, to say, you know what, when anything comes at me, you know my first response is, pray first. Because I've got this little thing on my wrist that's reminding me, when I want to flip out first, I'm going to pray first. When I want to post it on Facebook first, I'm going to pray first. When I'm going to text them first, I'm going to pray first. When I'm going to get, you know what I'm talking when you're driving down the highway and crazy things start happening, you're going to We'll get there, right? We're gonna pray first. We are so passionate about this, Pastor. I don't know how to pray. Let, let me give you a simple, working definition of prayer: is prayer, it's talking with God and it's listening to God. Prayer, and, and you're like, well, that's very that that seems very simple. Listen, I, I believe that for too long, like that we've blown prayer into this. This thing that it doesn't have to be of saying all the right words. And, you know, I, I remember growing up in church and they would be like praying. They, like, as soon as the pastor started praying, like, it was like he started speaking King James. And I was like, bro, you don't even talk like that. Like, we're like, thee, thou, 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 the highest. On thou, thou, thee, thee, thee. Like, what are you saying? Like, I think God was even like, what are you saying? I've never heard you talk like that before, ever. Stop it. I mean, I I just imagine going to my dad and be like, oh, daddy, dearest. Oh, dearest, Terry, Terry Wagner. Dad'd be like, are you okay? Like, what's happening right now? Like, I I think what God wants for us is is for us to talk with him and, and listen to him. The second half of this is the hardest part for me. It's easy for me to talk with God. God, I need, I need, I need. God, I'm, God, this, God, help me. God, God, all that. Like, he, he loves all that stuff. My hardest part is listening to God. Like, just making space. And that's why 21 days of prayer is so powerful. If you're able to show up, is it just gives you a space. A space. Away from your kid's space. Ah, that kind of space where you can talk with God and you can listen to God. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Kenneth, why? Why pray first when I could do first? We talked about that. Why, why would I pray first? Pastor Ken? Don't, don't, you know don't you know how good I am? Pastor Ken? don't you know how talented I am in this area? And I carried that thought. One time, God, he whispered to me so gently. He said this. He said, Kenneth, I can do more in a moment than you could do in a lifetime. What? I was thinking about that. God said to me, I can do more in a moment than you could do in a lifetime. Like God speaks, it's done. I look frantic and freaking out. And he's just speaking it into Exist. He can do more in a moment than you and I could do in a lifetime. Pray first. Nehemiah chapter one verse five. It continues on. He says, "And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, let Your ear be attentive and Your eyes be open to hear the prayer of Your servant that I now pray before You day and night for the people of Israel." your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. Verse seven, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments. He says, the statutes and the rules that you commanded, your servant Moses. So we see that Nehemiah, he pray, that pray first was his first response, but his second was to pray repentant. To pray first, but to pray repentant. And this one's probably more for what we want to be as a house of prayer. This is more maybe for for this point of the burden that God has given us, but I'll believe it's important for all of us. How many of you know that there is power in repentance? Repentance. Like, what is repentance, Pastor Ken? Repentance is this. Repentance, the word repent literally means to make a 180-degree turn, that I'm walking this way and that I repent and I'm turning and I'm walking the other way. What does repentance do? Repentance makes more room for the things of God. I don't know about you, but I am hungry for the things of God in my life. I am hungry. Why do you, why do you fast along with prayer, Pastor Kenneth? Because I want to remove things from my life that have no business being there so that I can add more of Jesus into my life. Well, it's just for 21 days. No, it's training my body. It's training my body to remove things that are taking up place that rightfully belongs to God. We pray repentant. And I know that in 2023 that this is not popular preaching. Repentance is not popular. Like we all love forgiveness. God, would you forgive me of that sin? But to repent from that same sin and to walk away from it and to leave it there? Oh, that's countercultural, y'all. But that makes me happy. Oh. I love what Second Chronicles 7:14 says. It says if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, check it out, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This is where personal revival takes place. This is where corporate revival takes place. This is where countries begin to see revival is we begin to say, God, I'm turning from my ways. I'm not just asking you to forgive me. Forgiveness is always there and it's always offered. But God, I am repenting from my sin and I'm walking in a different direction. If you receive that, say amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Something. Yeah. I just want to make sure that I'm preaching to some people today. Make sure that we understand where we're going, that we would be people that pray prayers like this in Psalm 139, verses 23, 24. says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Can you imagine what would happen if we began to be people that said, search me, O God, from the top to the bottom of my heart, to the, from the left to the right of my heart, anything that's going on in my mind, anything that's going on in my actions, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I, I believe that, that we would begin to see revival take place in, our, in ourselves that we would see revival begin to take place. That God began to do some crazy things. And tomorrow morning, day one of our 21 days of prayer, I'm talking. I want to encourage you to come join me. And I'm going to talk more about what this looks like. But check out Nehemiah chapter 1, continue verse 8. It says, remember the word that you commanded your servant. This is probably my favorite part of this whole message. Remember, Nehemiah says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. Saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people's. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. Verse 10 says, They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. What is Nehemiah doing here? Nehemiah, he prayed first. He prayed repentant. But the next thing that we see is that he prays scripture. He prays scripture. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter seven, verse 24. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock, and I don't know about you, but I want to build my life on a firm, we sing about it, I wanna build my life on the firm foundation that is Jesus. And check it out, church, that when you pray scripture, you're living out what Jesus said. You're laying a firm foundation for your life that when you pray scripture, that you can rest in the fact that there is power in what you are praying. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. He says, for all of God's promises, we say that God is a promise maker and a what? He's a promise maker and a promise keeper for all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Pastor, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you that there is scriptures for every single thing that you are walking through in your life. I told you that my burden is for us to become a house of prayer. Check out what Isaiah 56 verse 7 says. It says, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples and so not only do we just read these verses come on but we start praying these verses this is not some name it and claim it thing no this is leaning into the power of god you and i don't possess that kind of power are you with me today church i know we had a week off but are you with me he says i'm not convinced that's great he says, How? he says, for my house, so we start praying things like this, God, my desire is that United Church will be a house, and this house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Maybe your burden is for your family. Maybe you would start praying this in Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't just read it, pray it, lean into it. Say, God, I don't know what everybody else is out there doing. I don't ever know what everybody else is doing on the weekends. I don't know what's going on in their life, but you know what, as for me, God, in my house, the Wagner household, we will serve the Lord. It's not just reading it. You start leaning into his power. Oh, I got more for you. Finances. You're like, oh, there's, there's, there's scripture about finances? Come on, somebody. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Come on, you start praying that thing. God, I believe. I trust God, I'm leaning into you, that you will supply every Ferrari of mine. No, it says every need. <laughs> I want to make sure you're paying attention. will supply every need of mine according to your riches God. God, I know that the forecast doesn't look good for me, but, but this is according to your riches God. He can't be backed into a corner. He's like, "Oh, you're backing God into a corner. He made the corner. He can't be made. He can't be backed into a corner that he owns, that he made, that he. Oh, whoo! <laughs> Give me a week off. I'll come back fired up. Challenges. Oh, I got challenges. Romans 8, 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm not just reading, I'm praying to God. I know that in every situation of my life, I am more than a conqueror. I know that I am more than a conqueror because Paul said it in Romans chapter eight, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit for his pen to move as you spoke into his life, that I am more than a conqueror through him that, know, that I know that you love me. Maybe you've got health issues going on. Psalm 103, one through three says, bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord O my soul and forget all all the benefits. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. God, I'm leaning into your power. God, I don't have the power to do it by myself, but I know that David wrote in Psalm 103 that, God, you have all the power, God. So I'm leaning into your power, saying, God, I'm not forgetting the benefits that it looks like to be a child of God, knowing that you forgive me of my sin, that you heal me from all my diseases. I'm praying. praying scripture. God, I'm, I'm I'm leaning into you because you're not just the promise maker, you're the promise keeper. Check out verse 11. It says, Oh Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant, to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success. I love this. Give success. Give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. I love this. Nehemiah, he prayed first. He prayed repentant. He prayed scripture. But the last thing he does is he prays boldly. He prays boldly. While I'm here, I just want to mention this. I I don't know if you saw it this week. Former quarterback in the NFL, Dan Orlovsky, he paused on ESPN let me, let, me give you some, let me give you some feedback on that. ESPN is owned by Disney. Not necessarily Jesus promoting folks. Just throwing that out there. He paused on ESPN. And he says, I, I don't know if I'm able to do this. But he begins to pray for the young man who went into cardiac arrest on the field last Sunday. He was praying on ESPN. Like, and here, here's what I know about, listen, It's not about NFL. It's not about that. Like, I believe that the people of God are hungry. And not just the people of God. I believe that the people in this world are hungry for the people of God to step into the power that they possess. Listen, it wasn't that they tried to scrub it. It wasn't that they tried to get it off the, the air. No, ESPN reposted it. They weren't trying to get around it. There's a hunger, there's a desire for people. And what if it was us, United Church? What if it was us that when there was a situation in the state of Delaware, if there was a situation on the Eastern shore, if there was a situation in Delmarva, people began to call us and say, hey, I know that you're gonna pray boldly. I know that you're going before God. I know that you're taking these requests seriously. It's not just something that you say, it's who you are. It's who you are. Because there was no pushback, there was no recourse, I believe that people are hungry in the pit of who they are to see the power of God on display. There is no atheist in a foxhole. Why? Because everybody knows there's a God in the deepest recesses of who they are. And my challenge for us today is what if we became a congregation? What if we became a people that prayed first? that prayed repentant, that prayed scripture, prayed boldly. Why would we pray boldly? Because James chapter five, verse 16, the second part of that verse says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's your prayers. That's your prayers. That's my prayers. We're not righteous because I'm righteous. I'm righteous because Jesus made me righteous. I don't have to fight for that on a daily basis. No, Jesus already, he, he paid the price for all that. And so every time I step into prayer, remember, conversation with God and listening to God, like he sees me as righteous. And James says, my, my prayers are both powerful and effective. I love what Pastor Chris Hodges says. He said this, he said, God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. Today, I just wonder if for distraction's sake, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment as we finish today. How many of you would say this? You're listening to me today and you would say, Pastor, I'm committing for the next 21 days, Not, not, not Listen, listen, I'm not asking you to show up every single day, I'm not asking you to, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm asking. That you would commit yourself to the next 21 days of simply saying this, of saying, God, my, my greatest desire is that in every situation that I would pray first. Not that you would get it right, not that you would be successful in every single way, but but that's the desire of your heart. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor Ken, that's me. I, I just want, I want to I want to build that rhythm into my, I want, to, I want to stretch that muscle. Yeah, you can pull those down. I'm so proud of you. excited for you. My hand was up too. Maybe today you would say, um, Pastor Ken, that this all sounds great, but I don't, I don't even know, it's so foreign to me because I don't have a relationship with Jesus. My encouragement to you is this, is that you are one heartfelt prayer away from that change. That today, you could step into a relationship with Jesus. If that's you right where you are, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to encourage you to pray a prayer like this. You don't have to pray this exact prayer. But would you say, God, would you forgive me of my sin? God, I'm acknowledging that I've fallen short. I'm acknowledging that I've sinned. And Jesus, I'm asking that you would be my savior. Jesus, I'm asking that you would Show me the way of life. I believe that you are who you say you are. Jesus, I give you my life. If that's you with every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if today, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, would you just throw your hand up today? And say, Pastor Ken, that was me. I prayed that prayer for the very first time. So good. So good. Church, will you look up at me for one second? Tomorrow we begin this journey, as, as I said, have said it numerous times. If you have the margin, maybe parents, I saw last year was really cool, a mom would come one day, and the next day a dad would come, they were able to switch off with the kids. If you have the margin, maybe, maybe Saturdays work for you, I don't know what works for you, but there's something so powerful about being in the room going after Jesus. And if you can't, I understand. But would you make it a point every day to, to pray with the, pr- the prayer promptings with us, uh, to text that United 21 days, uh, 94,000, to follow along? I have a burden in my spirit in my heart that we become people of prayer, that this becomes a house of prayer. And I pray that this doesn't just be words out of our mouth. It becomes the desire and the actions of our hands and our feet. I want to pray for you. MC is going to take it from here. But Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. God, thank you for loving us. God, thank you that in every moment of every situation, we may not always get it right, but God, I I pray that the desire of our heart would become bent towards praying first. God, as we wear the wristband for 21 days, as as we show up at, At the Milford campus, God, whatever it is that we do over the next 21 days, God, would we, God, would you develop in us, God, everything that you want us to be. Father, we give you praise. We love you. It's in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen.